the word of the Lord with you today. I really believe that this is a, we're in, a, we're in a, some turning point times, some opportunity times. In fact, I would love to ju- jump ahead and preach to you next Sunday's message because I've already got a kind of a handle on that and then even into March. And so if you saw the announcements, you saw March is our, uh, it's called the family fix. Everyone say the family fix. I'm looking forward to March. I believe God's going to help us get our families fixed, not only from areas of fault and trouble, but fixed upon the right uh, foundation in our life. So you keep that in mind as we move forward towards that day. But these next couple of uh, Sundays uh, here at Church on the Rock North are very important. Everyone say they're very important. Amen. We've been talking about coming together, finding where we fit in the family of God. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Let me kind of just prepare you for the next few weeks, okay? And then we'll jump into the content of today. The next two or three weeks are very important. We're, we're moving towards something. And these this Sunday and next Sunday, I'm going to be equipping you, giving you what you need to be used by God in a supernatural way. How many of you would, uh, if God would provide you the, the equipping and the opportunity, you would allow him to use you in a supernatural way in someone's life? Amen. Lord, you saw those hands. Because I really believe that, that, that God wants to use us, not just sometime off in the future somewhere, but right now. I believe this is a season for God to supernaturally not just move to us, but move through us. Amen. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be preparing you for that. And I, because I believe this, we've set some goals here in our church for 2013, uh, some goals that are tangible goals, growth goals. Because, hey, if you, if you don't have something tangible to look to, uh, you'll never be able to to measure your success in accomplishing what God would have you to do. And so we're believing God for some exponential multiplication type growth. You look at the first century church, they multiplied. Everyone say they multiplied. Most churches divide and subtract. We want to add and then what? Multiply. Somebody say multiply. And he wants to use you for that. So the next two Sundays, I'm going to give you some real equipping to help you be positioned at a place where God can use you supernaturally. And then February 24th is what we're calling Come Together Family Sunday. This is where you and I and all of us together not only show up in full force with our families, but we endeavor to bring our friends and, and work associates and people. And I promise you, in fact, I've already got a, a message prepared for your family and friends, people who you bring. Uh, and I believe God has laid it on my heart to make a big difference in their life on that Sunday. Everyone say, Come Together Family Sunday. That's February 24th. So, hey, Mark, hey, if there, there's no Super Bowl, there's not, hey, everybody be here. Bring your friends and family. Let's fill the house and let's see God do a great work in, in people's life. Let's see God use us mightily, not in some distant time and land, but how about this week? How about next week? How about this month? Amen. And so that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And I want you to begin to pray about it. In fact, the next two Saturday nights, 
We were here last night. The next two Saturday nights from 7 to 8, we're going to be bombarding heaven for your family and friends. We prayed for you last night. We asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and empower you and equip you. We asked God to give you supernatural opportunities to, to, to touch somebody's life. So, hey, the spiritual atmosphere is being primed. And so you plug in and get involved. And, and we're, we're going to see God do great things, not only in you, but through you in the days to come. Everybody say amen. And so that's where we're headed. Now today, let me equip you a little bit. Let me kind of bring you up to, up to par of where we've been. Our keynote verse has been in Ephesians chapter 4. Or pardon me, Ephesians chapter 2. And then also Ephesians 4. But the living Bible in this verse 19, I love this one. And it's kind of been our keynote verse. It says, you're members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. I really believe that to be true. That's the word of the Lord for us. And we've realized something, and I've, I've kind of given you kind of the overarching theme of where we've been the last six Sundays and the, all through 2013. It is this. Here's the big idea that I've been sharing with you for the last six weeks. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Here it is. Let's read it together. Everybody, read it loud and read it proud. Here we go. You are extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to you. Let's do it again. Everyone together. You are extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to you. Now, let's make it personal. Let's change you into I and me. Here we go. Are you ready? Everyone out loud. I am extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to me. That really is true. And when you read the Bible and you study the Bible and you study the New Testament, you'll see that God desires us to plug in and get involved, not only with him, but with his family. Amen. You see, we are connected together. And I've been saying this, together is always better. Amen. Everyone say together is always better. It really is. You see, the devil divides and, and, and conquers. God brings us together and brings victory into our life. Amen. And so together is always better. And we as Christians, understand something. When you gave your life to Christ, uh, you, be, you, you became connected to him. In fact, and as a result of being connected to him, you're connected to his family. You see, in fact, we're connected biologically. We're, we're one big family. In fact, read 1 Corinthians 12. You'll realize we are the body of Christ. And I've said this. I've said this about, you know, all the parts of the body and this illustration that we're parts of the body. You know, if I lost my little finger, it would pain me. It would sorrow me. It'd take a while to heal. But I would survive. And one day would begin to thrive. But the little finger would not. That's the importance of every part. If we disconnect, we do not survive. We do not thrive. We, we lose the lifeline of God's blessing over our life. Our connection is biological, but it's also relational. In fact, this, this verse that we read, one of the words about the household, it's a family term. We're a part of the family. We're, we belong to the same uh, tribe, amen? We're a family. We're connected uh, 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 relationally with one another. Not only are we connected biologically, but we're connected relationally. And number three, we're connected spiritually. The Bible says we were all, if we're a Christian, we were all baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. We have a common spiritual heritage 
And that is the Holy Spirit drawing us to Him and baptizing us into the family of God. And then lastly, we're connected missionally. We've got the same mission that God has given us all. You see, every Christian should have the same mission. Josh read it just a few moments ago. Uh, the Great Commission for all of us to go into all the world and make disciples to make a difference in people's life. And so it's important. Everyone say together is always better. And so that's what we've been talking about. And I've talked about spiritual health and things that we need to embrace in our life to come together and find where we fit in the family of God. Now this morning, I want to, in a kind of a two-part series today and tomorrow, uh, pardon me, today and next Sunday, uh, I want to give you some preparation in your life for spiritual use. God wants to prepare you for use. You see, you are not just something to be adored on the shelf somewhere. Uh, you know, in fact, if you remember, uh, if you were with us on Wednesday night, Robert Morris gave this illustration of it. Finally, one day they got to a place where they could get a new comforter. And they put the comforter on the bed. He was so excited. It was wintertime. And, and so when he got ready for bed, he went in there and the comforter was gone. And he said, uh, he said, Debbie, where's the comforter? She said, that one's not for use. How many of you got towels in your house, guys, that you cannot use? They are not for use. God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants to use us greatly. And he wants us to be prepared, not just to be set on a shelf somewhere and adored, uh, but not being able to be used. God wants to use us mightily. He wants to use us to connect people to God in his church. Amen. He really does. In fact, you were meant to be spent. Everybody say, I was meant to be spent. God didn't create you just to set you on a shelf. He created you to use you. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were meant to be spent. You were created to connect with God and created to connect others to God and his family. Amen. Not someday in distant times future but how about right now? Everybody say, how about now? God wants to use you this week. He wants to use you this next week. He wants to use you this month. He wants to use you. He wants to prepare you for use, not one day, but this day. Amen. And so I want to give you four prep points this morning. I'm going to give you four thoughts that I want to encourage you to prepare, prepare you for use. And here's the first one. Just write them down. Take them home. Digest them this week. The first one is this. Uh, hey, hey, we need to be prepared for use, God's supernatural use, with, with a heart of purity. Amen. Everyone say purity. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, write that down. Because the Bible says as his children in this verse that we have a responsibility to purify ourselves and sanctify ourselves for his use. In fact, let me just turn over there quickly and show you this passage of scripture because, hey, God wants to use you mightily. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 18, really gosh, through 22. Look in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, speaking of, 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 of things that are made of wood and clay, things that are made of dishonor, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. How many of you want to be useful for the master? 
We've got to cleanse ourselves. You may say, well, I thought God's supposed to cleanse me. Yes, we accept his benefit by the, by the shed blood of Jesus. But how many of you know every day we have a responsibility uh, to allow the process of sanctification to continue in our life? We've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And he says we cleanse ourselves from the latter. We become a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. I love this. Prepared for every good work. And so the first thing you and I need to embrace, if God's going to use us supernaturally, we've got to embrace this responsibility to walk a righteous lifestyle before him and cooperate with what Christ has done from Calvary's cross and realize, hey, we don't have to be controlled by sin. We don't have to be controlled by the troubles of this life and by the, by the temptations of this life. In fact, I love what, it, you know, Paul was pretty practical with his son in the faith, Timothy. He said in verse 22, he said, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, Love and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. You know, I found a sermon, a sermon outline in the middle of this verse this morning, and it is this. It's the three. Here we go. The, if you're going to flee youthful lust, there's some things you got to do. You got to focus on the right things. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. If you want to flee, you got to focus on the right things, and then you got to get the right friends. Everybody say the right you got to focus on the right things and then you got to get the right friends. It's really true. And so, hey, this week, let me tell you something. I'm not talking about prepared with perfection. How many of you know that won't happen until we get to heaven? You don't have to be perfect before God uses you. Tell somebody. You don't have to be perfect before God uses you. Tell somebody. You don't have to be perfect. God, hey, the only person that, that made that, uh, could, uh, could have that claim to fame is Jesus Christ. But understand something. He, Christ is in us. And we can begin to walk on another level than we were walking yesterday. We can begin by the power of God to say nope to dope. Come on now. And say no to the things that have str- we struggled with. And just say, hey, because of what he has done today, I choose to focus on him. I choose to pursue. Pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. I'm purifying myself. I'm cleansing myself. I'm shaking off those heavy bands and I'm lifting up those holy hands. Somebody say amen. We purify our life. Hey, if God, God cannot use a vessel that is all polluted by the things of this world. And so we've got to, we've got to rid ourselves of those issues and begin to pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. So we prepare our life to be used by preparing it with a, with a pure heart and begin to, and, and even pray the prayer that David prayed when he messed up. You see, if you've messed up and oh my goodness, watch this right here because my, how many of you can just say there's been some times in my life when I've just flat out messed up? Okay, we all have our hand up. And David was the same way. But the Bible says when God began to convict him, he prayed this prayer. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast and a right spirit with me, within me. That's Psalm 51. And then he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your, your ways and sinners will be converted unto you. Wow, that's awesome. In other words, we get cleaned up. God can begin to use us again. Amen. Hey, so, hey, everybody head up and say, hallelujah. I'm moving out of a hole in a hurry. Tell somebody, I'm moving out of a hole in a hurry. Amen. 
Glory to God. We flee youthful lust by way of pursuing after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. We prepare ourselves with purity. Number two, we prepare ourselves to be used by God with power. Somebody say power. Jesus, before he left planet earth, he sent his disciples through a detailed 40 day uh, teaching series. And he concluded it just before he left planet earth and was, was, how many of you know, he just kind of raised up out of their sight there in Acts chapter one. It's pretty awesome. Uh, wouldn't that be amazing? You go through 40 days of, of ministry with the resurrected Christ and he concludes with this phenomenal statement, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Somebody see power. You receive power to be my witnesses. There you go. To be used by God in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the Bible says that he began to ascend in their sight. And they were all like Gomer Powell. Shazam. And the angel said, hey, go get started. And God began to use them mightily. That's why we're talking on Wednesday night and we're going through the series, The God I Never Knew. And let me tell you something, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit here at Church on the Rock North. People are getting hungry. In fact, the next three Wednesday nights, just because you've missed some, don't miss the next three Wednesday nights. In fact, the last two, we're going to spend some special time in prayer, praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to get this power uh, so we can hear them speak in tongues. That'd be cool. But how many of you know the real insight here? We get power to do what he calls us to do. We need his power. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we need his power. So God's going to use us, but we've got to have a pure heart and we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and flowing through our life. This, this, this weekend, I've been praying for you that you would receive a fresh endowment, if you will, of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you would find yourself in a place that God would begin to speak to you in the night and begin to pour his self and his spirit all over you. And you will begin to realize that he has energized you for another leg in this race of the will of God for your life. Amen. So we prepare ourselves with, for use by, by cleansing our hearts and being pure. And number two, by receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and allowing him to pour himself out upon us. And number three, we prepare ourselves for use by preparing ourselves with some real planning. Now, this is where a lot of people miss it because they, they have this unusual insight that I'm not sure where they got, that the only way they're going to be used by God is if one day, and this might happen, but uh, where they're just walking through life and all of a sudden God just comes in and grabs them and moves them in a direction. Let me tell you something. You can plan your way into being used by God. You can prepare yourself and plan. Let me just, hey, let's just think about this for a moment. Let's begin to plan on who we're going to target to bring to church on February 24th. Let's begin to strategize and say, who is God laying on my heart to bring to, to come together family Sunday? And let's begin to target them in prayer. Let's, let's plan on how we're going we're gonna to touch their life and, and just get into the middle of their life. In fact, you know what Jesus did? He, he got into Peter's boat. You remember when he got into Peter's boat? He borrowed his boat to teach there in Luke chapter 5. Can I get in your boat? So he, the crowd was all around. So he got in the boat and, and part of that was for the water to help amplify to the crowd so he could teach. And he got into Peter's boat. He got into the middle of his business. How many of you know, by the Holy Ghost, you can get yourself into the middle of people's lives? There's a lot of ways to do that. 
But he got into his boat and then he got into his heart. You see, you'll never get into anybody's heart until you get into their boat. You'll never get into anybody's boat unless you get strategic about it and you begin to target people and say, I'm going to reach into their life. I'm going to reach into their world. I'm going to make a difference in their life. I want to encourage you to embrace that in your heart and say, hey, I'm going to prepare myself for use, not only by cleansing myself and not only by being empowered by the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to begin to put feet to my faith and I'm going to begin to plan and develop strategy. And in fact, it's going to go beyond inviting them to church on February 24th. I'm going to embrace them on that day. I'll go pick them up if necessary. Take them out to eat afterwards. I've got a plan how to get myself into the middle of somebody's life. Amen. And so we prepare ourselves for use by purifying ourselves and by being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and by planning it out and strategizing. Jesus gave the disciples in Acts chapter one a plan. Did you see it in Acts 1, 8 and 9? I didn't ask you to turn there. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How many of you know Jerusalem was home? How many of you know there's somebody in your Jerusalem that you need to touch for God? That he wants to use you by the power of the Holy Spirit to touch them. And not only there, but in all other areas of your life. Your Judeas, your Samarias, and even people that you've never met before. Strangers throughout your day that God may use as divine moments of opportunity. Amen. In fact, I'm not sure where Ryan is. He told me a story. I won't steal his thunder, but... They were somewhere and went into Starbucks to get coffee. There's a big line and, and uh, they said, well, let's go to Rayo's. And they walked out and the spirit of God said, no, go back in and connect with some people. He saw a couple there, some people and the spirit of God wouldn't drop it. Uh, uh, and so he got back out and went in and, and connected with them. And uh, it was an amazing divine appointment. He was able to minister at, Christ, uh, at uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes out in Lamar. And a lot of people got saved and touched because of being sensitive to being used by God. Amen. We're going to talk about that some more next week, but hey, we got to, you see, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Am I right? If we don't plan on how God may want to use us and be prepared and ready, you know what? We may never be used by God. So we prepare our hearts in purity. We prepare our lives with power and we prepare our lives to be used by God with planning. And then finally, I want to spend some real time here on number four. We prepare ourselves and we prepare our lives to be used by God by embracing his presence in a greater measure than ever before. And his presence is so paramount. In fact, the Bible says that we are to sow to the Spirit. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. In other words, we've got to begin to sow our lives and our hearts into the power and the presence of God. Because when He shows up, things begin to change. Look at your neighbor and say this. When God shows up, things begin to change. 
And we need his presence in our life and we need to release. Hey, let me tell you something. What, what I've been doing in my, this is just how I'm embracing it. Uh, I, I just declare that I'm changing the spiritual atmosphere of, of, of this church. And I'm, I'm doing things in my life to change the spiritual atmosphere of our community and give God a place to be able to show up in the middle of his people and show up in our behalf. Did you know you can pray over people and God will show up in their life? We've got to be prepared with his presence in our life in greater measure than ever before. We need him. And so let me show you some things about this today to help you kind of get a handle on being able to release the atmosphere of God's presence, not only in your life, but in your family and not only in your family, but everywhere you go. You see, when, when the disciples got all uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the world looked at them and it says, you know what? We can tell just by their very countenance that they've been with Jesus. Jesus. Amen. I'll never forget when God began to fill me with the Holy Spirit as a young teenager and just a kind of a young guy. It changed my life. And my, my parents asked me, what in the world has happened to you? What happened? I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey, when's the last time somebody looked at you and said, man, I said something special about you. God's presence on our life. Let me give you some things about how to, how to stir up the presence of God and release the presence of God into the spiritual atmosphere of your world. Number one, you release the presence of God into, into the atmosphere in the arena of your world by faith. Somebody say by faith. I'm telling you, when you begin to stir up an atmosphere of faith in your home, an atmosphere of faith in the world that you work in, in the place where you live in, and you begin to release faith over the circumstances of your life. You know, most people, uh, uh, they, they know how they live in an atmosphere of frustration or an atmosphere of fear and doubt, but they don't live in an atmosphere of faith. If we turn that around, I'm going to tell you, God's presence begins to show up in our life because, hey, guess what? We cannot please him without faith, but if we have faith about Bible says in Hebrews 11 that, that, that we will please him. And let me tell you something. When God gets pleased, whoo, everything else begins to be pleased. God starts pleasing. He, he gets so happy. He starts releasing his presence in our life. And we've got to have faith. Let me tell you how you can do that today. And begin to spread faith all over the world and release God's uh, 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 will and capacity into the lives of, of people. Number one, you just begin to speak it. Everyone say, speak it. Second Corinthians four talks about, we believe, therefore we do what? We believe, therefore we what? Speak. You see, most people, they speak frustration. Let me tell you something. Most Christians are trained real well to speak fear and frustration. And you know what? That affects the spiritual atmosphere of your life. But if you begin to speak it out of the mouths out of your mouths, born out of a heart of faith, you began to declare at the place of prayer, wherever you just began to speak things of faith, began to speak faith over those that you know, and began to declare glory to God. When I ask them to come to church, they're going to come. I thank you, Lord, you're touching their heart. I thank you, Lord, you're going to use me. I thank you, Lord, that this week you're using me, not somewhere. I thank you, Lord, that I'm walking with you, that I'm pure, that I'm endeavoring to be. Thank you, Lord, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that I'm being prepared for use. And Lord, I declare, let me tell you something, that begins to affect the spiritual atmosphere of your life. And oh, wouldn't it be great if you did it at home too? 
Wouldn't your spouse be happier? Wouldn't your kids be more blessed? When we speak into the spiritual atmosphere, words of encouragement and words of faith, and we, we can change the spiritual atmosphere over people's lives by what we say. Amen. We speak it and then we share it. We give it away. In fact, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. In other words, share it with somebody. Just share. Hey, why are you so happy? Hey, why are you so confident? Let me tell you something. Jesus touched my life. He changed my life. And, 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 and I am born again. I belong to him. I'm no longer under the control of, of sin, Satan, and his system. I'm con- under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you just give your life over to him and trust him and, and, and begin to believe him, the Bible says by faith you will be born again into his family. Share it. Let me tell you something. When you begin to speak it over your family and speak it over your friends and begin to share your faith with them, God begins to show up in the middle of your circumstances and over your friends and family. And number three, this faith, you've got to savor it in your life. What do you mean? Well, Hebrews 10, 35 says, cast not away your confidence, which has great reward. Count it as valuable. Savor it in your life. Lord, thank you for faith. Lord, thank you for newfound faith, not only for my today, but for my tomorrow. Lord, I'm trusting you. You can change the spiritual atmosphere over your home, over your business, over those that God has laid on your heart by releasing over them an atmosphere of faith. Amen. What have you been releasing by your words? Think about it. You see, his presence is so important. And when we do that, God begins to show up and, he's, and he becomes really pleased. And his favor is released, amen. The second thought about uh, uh, his presence and, and being prepared with his presence and stirring up the spiritual atmosphere with, with his presence, it's not only by way of faith, but when you look at and see this in the early church, it's by unity of the spirit. Getting in unity with one another. It's an atmosphere of unity. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, you can read about it. Acts 1, 14 and Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. They were all together in one accord in one place and they were praying. They had one heart, one mind. They were in unity together. Did you know the Bible says in Psalm 133, you write this down, look at it, look at it later. It talks about the brethren dwelling together in unity. And you know what he says? In fact, Psalm 133 is probably one of the shortest Psalms. You know what he says when the body of Christ comes together in unity. It releases the anointing of God and it says there God commands the blessing. How many would like God to start commanding blessings to come your way? Especially in the middle of God wanting to use you mightily. And so we ought to gather together. And last night we prayed together in one heart, one, one voice, and one. We were in unity together, just taking authority in the heavenlies. Amen. It's an atmosphere of unity. It releases God's presence and his power in our life. Number three, we release his presence by releasing an atmosphere of prayer over our life and over our friends. The power of prayer is so important. And it, it changes things. You've heard everyone say prayer changes things. Really does. 
Prayer changes things. And there's some things in your life that need to change. There's some things in our world that need to change. There's some things in our friends that need to change. And my friend, when we began to pray and seek God, things began to change. It will release His presence. In fact, what did Jesus teach in Matthew 18, 19, and 20? He talked about agreeing prayer. When we agree together in prayer, He says, where two or more gathered together in prayer, in my name, there I am in their midst. His presence shows up when we begin to pray. We begin to bombard heaven and call out to God at the place of prayer last night. We began to change the spiritual atmosphere through prayer. We pulled down strongholds. We, we bound the strong man. We lifted up a spiritual hedge over your life. We reached out in prayer, praying for you and praying for those who God is going to lay on your heart. And that atmosphere of prayer begins to change things. Amen. So I want to encourage you. If you want to be used by God, you need to embrace his presence in your life and release an atmosphere of faith over your family and over those who you, uh, over those who God lays on your heart. You've got to get in unity with the spirit of God and the family of God and begin to seek the face of God. And number four, listen carefully. To stir up his presence, you've got to stir up an atmosphere of praise. I love this one. Everybody go hallelujah. I'm telling you, when you be, if you'll catch this, in, in fact, it's certainly linked to number one because how many of you know praise is really the language of faith? You see, when people don't praise the Lord, it's because they don't believe him. When you begin to believe him, it'll come out of your mouth. When you begin to realize that he's on your side, praise will begin to come out of your mouth. And it will not be hingent or dependent upon the circumstances of your life. Let me say that again because I think that went ooh right over some of you. Praise should not be hingent or dependent upon the circumstances of your life. Most people just praise him when. Are you with me? When something happens, oh, let's give him the praise. But how many of you know, he's always worthy of praise. And you know what my Bible tells me? He inhabits the praises of his people. That's where he dwells. Psalm 22, he inhabits, he dwells in the middle of the praises of his people. And if we can release the atmosphere of praise, we can release his presence in and through our lives to be used by him. I think of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Remember the story, they were in jail. Paul and Silas were in jail. Now, they were imprisoned, they were thrown in jail because of a good thing, because of the ministry of God moving through their life. They were thrown into prison and the Bible says about them that about the midnight hour, they began to sing hymns of praise to God. Remember the story? And as they began to praise God, the Bible says all the prisoners and the prison guards were listening to them praising God. They were praising him in a place where nobody ever really heard the praises of God. In fact, if they heard anything, they heard the poor man cry out and the, and, and the, and the prisoners cry out for mercy. There was no place in this prison for praise, but yet Paul and Silas were there and they began to change, they began to change the atmosphere. They began to change the spiritual atmosphere of that prison house. And the Bible says it so stirred up the power and the presence of God that an earthquake came and began to rattle the bars. 
The Bible says all the chains from all the prisoners fell off and the doors flew open and great liberty came because of the preachers praising God in the prison. Released his presence. Now, let me give you some thoughts about that and about their praise in that place. Number one, it was proactive. They praised him before the deliverance. It was proactive. They got busy praising him even when they were in jail. Most people would never praise him until they got out of jail. But they praised him in the jail. Somebody say in the jail. You see, they got proactive about their circumstances. And they just began to praise God in the middle of a hard place. And my friend, understand something. Catch this one. It was not only proactive, it was very public. Some people say this, well, pastor, and I'll God, I'm just going to praise him in my heart. Try that with your wife. Well, you know I love you, but I'm just going to love you in my heart. Listen, guys, it's about Valentine's Day. That doesn't work. Their praise was very public. They expressed their thanksgiving and their praise to God in the middle of the prison. And the Bible says the other prisoners were listening to them. Listen, understand something. God is waiting on you to praise him wherever you are. There are people whose lives will be transformed because you chose to give him the glory with your life and with your words in the public place. I'll never forget, years ago I was fishing, which I love to do. And it's not a very public place, usually by yourself, but there's a guy about 100 yards down the bank fishing ahead of me, and he was cursing. He was cursing so loud I heard him take the Lord's name in vain. And I had a, it didn't take me long to have enough of it. And he was cursing so loud I could hear him. And so I started praising really loud. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I give you all the praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I started praising him. And I could see that guy look back and I said, if you're going to curse him, I'm going to praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't hear another peep out of that old boy. I don't know if he got saved or not, but hey. Praise him in the public place. Let me tell you something. Listen carefully. Many times, God puts you in places, unpleasant places, uncomfortable places. And he doesn't put you there to persecute you. He puts you there for a purpose. So the people, the prisoners around you can find liberty because of what flows through you. Do I need to say that again? Because some of you are looking at me like what? Cow stares at a new gate. Oh. Because some of you are in circumstances right now and you've not been giving God the glory. You've not praised him in the middle of it. You weren't proactive. In fact, you're off in a ditch somewhere and, and you're, you're binding the devil. And the devil didn't even put you there. God put you there so you could give him praise and make a difference in somebody else's life. Their praise was proactive. It was public. And it became very powerful. The very core of that jail was shaken because somebody chose to praise him. 
and it impacted everybody's life. It was productive and powerful. Everybody say powerful and productive. Did you know the end of that story? How many of you know the jailer, it shook him up really bad because he knew he could potentially lose his life because the prisoners would be freed. Did you know the jailer took him to his house and all his whole family got saved? What would have happened if Paul had had a bad day and he let the circumstances of life rob him from the lifestyle of praise? Untold people would have never gotten born again because he didn't release the presence presence of God in the prison. You see, we have a responsibility, church, to change the spiritual atmosphere of the world around us. We do so by faith. We do so by coming together in unity. We do so by praying prayers of faith. And we do so by lifting up praise even in the middle of a hard place. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. God's preparing you for use. He wants to use you mightily. And let me, let me just be prophetic. Let me just, let me just throw out a little prophetic word to you today. He's preparing opportunities for you this week. You just need to cooperate. He's preparing moments, and we'll talk about this next Sunday, divine moments in time. The kairos moment of God for you this week to be used by God. You just this week, let me tell you something. In just a moment, we're going to pray that God would purify our hearts. In just a moment, we're going to pray that God would fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to give us strategic plans. And we're going to pray that His presence would begin to be made manifest in our life through our willingness to, to, to stir up the atmosphere of God's presence by faith and by unity, by prayer and by praise. We're going to pray that prayer. And this week, listen, this week God's going to use you to make a difference in someone's life. Are you ready? Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Let's believe God together. That he would use us. That he would empower us. Lord, today, we thank you, Lord, for your hand extended into our lives. And Lord, today, as we position ourselves under the mandate of God to be used by you, Lord, we want to prepare our hearts. And we do so today by asking you to cleanse us. And Lord, we make some choices today, just like Paul told Timothy, to purify ourselves and to cleanse ourselves from the works of the flesh, to flee youthful lusts and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Lord, help us today. And even as David prayed, we pray as well, create within us a clean heart. Put us on a path toward purity. Pursuing after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. Lord, we lift our hands to you and say, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. 
you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just lift your hands wherever you are and say, God, I, I ask you to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. Just like you did in Acts chapter 2. Nothing more, but certainly nothing less. Fill us, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Empower us for service. To be able to be a witness unto you in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Fill us with the Holy Spirit.